Welcome everyone to another episode of The Running Elephant. I'm Nigel Sullivan, Bupa's Chief Sustainability and People Officer. In today's episode, we're going to be talking sustainability, which Inyaki and I have discussed before, but the agenda at Bupa has moved on since then. We're now clear on what we need to do on the external imperative to get moving and make a difference for the people and the planet. Today, I'm delighted that we're joined by a very special guest, Pia Heidenmark-Cook, who has recently joined the Bupa board. Welcome to Bupa, Pia, and the Running Elephant. Thanks, Nigel. I'm really happy to be here, and it's uh, great to be sitting on a Running Elephant. It's great to have you. And uh, look, uh, Pia, obviously, I mean, our listeners are not that familiar with boards and non-executive directors and all that stuff. It would just be great to hear a little bit about you as a person and as a professional and your background. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm Swedish. I am the mother of two teenagers. I have been in sustainability for the last 25 years. So... Uh, sometime at uh, university, when I studied business, I learned about externalities. So understanding that um, business practices sometimes have unintended consequences on people and planet. And when I learned that, then I started to study uh, economics and uh, environmental economics and sustainability. And then have done that in hospitality for seven years uh, in one of the largest hospitality chains or hotel chains. Then the last 14 years at IKEA and last position was as a chief sustainability officer. And then since a year, I stepped out of IKEA and I now sit on boards across uh, the US, UK and Europe. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, we met each other um, initially with Roger Davis, our chairman. I don't know, probably near the beginning of the of, of this year. I mean, why did you decide to join Bupa? We're delighted you have. What what, what attracted you to Bupa? Uh, many things. Um, I think first and foremost, um, the people. I haven't met everyone, of course, but the people I met um, really felt a good connection with and values and purpose-led people. Um, so just the people actually, and then the vision of Bupa, which kind of transcends into the people I met and how we talked and what we talked about. Uh, and then the transformation and transition that Bupa is on, uh, both in terms of the digital transformation, but even more so moving into preventative healthcare and really looking at how digital and sustainability can be part of and core of who Bupa is today, but even more so who Bupa is to become in the future. So being part of that transformation was a big deciding factor. Uh, and then also healthcare in general, that um, I believe there are not many other sectors and companies uh, like Bupa with both insurance and provision to actually have the possibility to be a true spokesperson for healthy and sustainable living and how that really has a, a big impact on both the well-being of people and the planet and, and what we can do about it as, um, as, as the business sector. That's great. Thanks, uh, Pia. We're delighted to have you. And I, I, am, I think I've said this to you before. I'm especially delighted to have someone with your experience to help guide the things in my job that are related to this topic. There clearly is a climate emergency. I'm, I'm, you know, we've talked, we have talked about this a little bit before in one of the earlier podcasts. 
Why is it so important that business steps up to that emergency? Many reasons, but I think maybe one of the main reasons is that the reason why we have a climate emergency is because how we've set up the economy. Uh, so no matter which business you're in, um, you have a climate impact, a negative climate impact. And because of being part of the problem, we as businesses also need to be part of the solution. So I think responsibility is one of the main reasons or first reasons. Then secondly, and increasingly, as employees learn about this, as customers learn about this, as investors learn about this, they start to put demands and expectations. So it becomes a commercial or a business imperative uh, to also kind of future-proof your business and uh, be part of the future rather than be part of the past. And then the third one, I think, is really in terms of values, purpose, it just makes the business, the company, uh, the day-to-day -day work uh, more fun, uh, more purposeful when you feel that you are not only dealing with the here and now uh, problems of the clients or um, the company in terms of um, financial results or uh, top line, bottom line, but that you really put sustainability at the core of how can we be part of building something that has bigger implications. It goes beyond the, beyond the walls of Bupa and, and really looking at the sustainable development goals where climate, of course, is part of the sustainable development goals and be part of the solution and create something that kind of lives on uh, beyond Bupa. So I think there, there are many reasons, but those, uh, I would say, are the top three. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's very much how we how we see it. Right about the time in this podcast go out, we'll be um, telling you about our sustainability strategy, which we'll... we'll might touch on our approach in a moment and get your views on, on that, Pia. But I mean, um, uh, that's that's really what we'll be talking about. But it used to be really about doing less harm. And that's not really good enough now for businesses. I think people are coming to realize that we've got to give something back and do more good. And for me, that's been one of the big changes that's taken place um, here in this area. But look, just thinking about um, sustainability, and many many companies are 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 now standing up and 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 standing together and and cooperating and collaborating to to get this job done. Is there anything about the approach we're taking at Bupa that you think is is a bit different? You know, is, gives us a uh, gives us an edge or something that's the, that we, that we can offer that's a bit different? I think two things. One is that what Bupa does is what a lot of other companies are doing, and 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 it should be because. It's a lot around cleaning up the business in terms of both the insurance, but especially the provision in terms of how we run the clinics and the hospitals. And I think that's good that it's the same as everyone else. And, and the area of sustainability is becoming much more professional in terms of having a clear ways of measuring, KPIs, how to kind of report on progress, um, transparency, etc., etc. So I think that's good that it's pretty much the same as many other companies. I think that the uniqueness of Bupa goes back to what Bupa is and even more what Bupa wants to become in terms of really being a leading healthcare provider, not an insurance business with some provision or not some provision with insurance, but actually having the both of them together, but using the data that we are developing and having, but, but also developing and getting more of to how can we 
help people to stay well and understanding that a lot of the things that's happening in the world in terms of a lot of emissions in the cities, so poor air um, that in, uh, impacts people's health, um, water shortages impacts people's health, climate change in terms of natural disasters will and is already impacting people's health. Uh, inequalities, if you take the social dimension, impact. We know COVID hit more in, in those who had thinner wallets or have thinner wallets. So how to be a spokesperson on how planet and people or nature, climate and people are connected and how helping people to stay well in its wider dimensions is the biggest contribution that Bupa can make. And I think that's what you're doing in the strategy. Exactly. Uh, that's exactly the, the direction we're, we're going in, that intersection between the planet itself and the, and the health of, of its people and, our, and what, what, what we can do about that. We believe that we have a unique, you know, point of difference really here that we can, you know, we can talk with some authority because we have many clinicians, we have expertise in this area, we have a trusted brand, um, we look after people's health and, 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 and well-being and we think we think we can do something here that's a bit, a bit yeah, different. Fully agree, Nigel. Hopefully we can. So um, your last big chunk of your career at IKEA, very different, you know, business to, to, to healthcare, um, but but a, a business I, I have admired from afar in terms of the approach to sustainability. I mean, can you talk a little bit about your experience there and, and how did you how did you manage to get that agenda, um, you know, so well embedded? You know, is, is it, a, I mean, is it a Swedish thing? Is it because, you know, I mean, obviously Sweden is known as, as a really exemplar country for on sustainability. Did that make it easier or more difficult, but it's an international business? Just love to hear what, what, what your journey was like. Mm. It's a, it's a really good question, and of course, having left, it makes me reflect a lot on, um, you know, what was it, and what did we do, and 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 how did we do it? And I think the thing when you when you work with sustainability, and I just met your sustainability team uh, earlier this morning. I know, I know. How did how did it go? You went really well. We had super good discussions, and uh, and a fantastic team. Uh, and I think the. The learning is really that you have different faces and, and sustainability, our understanding of economic and social and environmental connections and interdependence is developing with time. So what worked in IKEA or in Bupa five, 10 years ago will not be working today or tomorrow. So it's that constant involvement of finding ways of how to implement, how to engage, how to inspire, how to bring people with you. So I think fundamentally sustainability as many topics today, of course, is about change management and painting the picture of where we want to go, who we want to be, uh, how do we get there? So through the strategy and the plans, how do we measure? How do we get feedback to people on are we on the right track? How do we help people to make the right decisions? Because it's fundamentally all these small decisions we make every day that actually will help us to meet um, and, and, you know, achieve the goals of the elephant or not, no matter really if it's sustainability or digital or any other transformational topic. So I think the main learning is understanding where you have the impact, so the negative impact, but also understanding where is it that you can really make a positive contribution as a brand, as a company in society, to, not only to your clients, but to stakeholders at large. Um, and then 
building that kind of strategy, both in terms of the big movements, the, the, the big things you want to do, but also then the concreteness of it. So have tangible projects, uh, pilots, tests, um, with the ability then to scale it, um, and then integrating it, it, embedding it in the business. Because no matter if you have a team of five in the corporate office or 100, it's fundamentally about all the Bupa employees, or in the case of IKEA, all the employees, and you need to integrate it into the business plan, into the incentives, into the strategy, so that, or for IKEA, for example, very importantly, into the supply chain work, into the product design, because if you don't do it right from the beginning, you can't really fix it at the end. So I think it's understanding that it's a never-ending journey and it's it's about the journey rather than the end goal because that will change because of sustainability fundamentally being about being a mirror onto our society and the planet. And, and those demands change with time. Absolutely. I and mean, we'll come on to people in a second. Um, one of the things, I, I hope I've got this right, one of the things I think about in IKEA is... is you know, the, the focus on circularity and for, for everybody out there, you know, that's like reusing, recycling, you know, making things last longer, you know, sourcing them better, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and that's quite a big thing, I think, for a retailer when, you know, generally the, the DNA of retailers is to sell more stuff to people. You know, that's what the KPIs tend to be built on. How, how, how easy or difficult was was that to, to, to land in the business? It's mm, a very good question, Nigel. I think circularity for not just retail, but all businesses, um, because all businesses, no, no matter if you're in services or in products, is about selling um, and having a, you know, a top line, a good top line and a, and a good margin. And that's how kind of we, we built economic system uh, and, and GDP. Needs to re-examine how, how we provide services, how we provide products to uh, customers. And for IKEA, circularity as a methodology or an approach to how to deal with the topic of um, unsustainable consumption kind of developed over time. So in the first strategy, uh, sustainability strategy 10 years ago, it was quite difficult to have the conversation. Uh, then in the last revision, so in 17, it things had evolved so much that it became much easier to have the conversation. And for IKEA circularity, it's fundamentally three different things. One is how do we supply products, materials and design products so that we do it right from the beginning. Then really, how do you design products so that they can be used uh, for as long as possible so that you enable the longevity of products? And then last, how do you enable at end of life for products to come back into the system, either through recycling uh, or even better reuse of products. So looking at those three dimensions, that's the kind of circularity agenda for IKEA. And in the in the former one, when it comes to product design, I would say IKEA has come quite a long way and it's kind of embedded into the product design process and the supply chain process. When it comes to new business models and how, we, um, how IKEA enables people to interact with the IKEA products, uh, the home furnishing range. It's more in the face of testing and learning. So across the market, so not only in Sweden, but everywhere, uh, doing tests, 
with secondhand, uh, secondhand markets, both online and physical, uh, having kind of circular workshops, um, discussing with, with customers how to take care of products, how to upcycle and, and um, kind of find new ways of using products. Um, so uh, also looking at leasing of home furnishing products. So a lot of different dimensions of different business models. Um, and it's and it's difficult because fundamentally the the business, the way it's been set up for 76 years is about selling home furnishing products that people use and then you you want to change and you come back to the store or online and buy new. And with circularity, you want to find a way of keeping products alive for as long as pro- possible. So definitely a lot of tough conversations with the board, with management team and with middle management, because it, it kind of goes against uh, what IKEA, the model IKEA has built up. On the other hand, IKEA is about life at home and it's about enabling the many people with thin wallets to also have a beautiful home. So there's no contradiction there. It's just an other way of designing the business so that you can meet that kind of vision of creating a better everyday life for the many people. And I think when companies really start to discuss within themselves, normally at the board and management team, what are those dilemmas that we face as a business? That's when you really start to take the big next step in sustainability. So it's not about fixing things at the periphery, but you really start to say, what's what's the kind of core dilemma we sit with? And if I take for, from a BUPA perspective, of course, when you move into really being about healthcare and well-being and preventative healthcare, the model of how you make money and how you're commercially uh, kind of sustainable will, will change. But if you take a step back looking at What's the vision of the company? What is it you want to achieve for your clients? Then it's not that difficult. So I think it's it's more reflecting on, yeah, it is about being brave and courageous and daring to have the tough conversations. But when you manage to zoom out a bit on, is it a business idea or is it a vision? And what's the model that you have chosen rightly wrongly 20 30 50 100 years ago to kind of achieve that goal versus what is sustainable knowing the world we live in today and the interconnectivity between people and planets well-being then i don't think it is that difficult but you need to have that conversation and really reflect on business models revenue streams financial models of how how can we keep being a profitable company that meets the needs of our clients, but do it in a maybe, potentially, completely new way that has a much less stress on people and planet. Absolutely. The change that we're making is absolutely core to the purpose, as you, yeah. as you say. That's fundamentally at our core. Well, you'd be pleased to know, I think, that um, we've got an IKEA bed in one of our bedrooms here at home. Um, and it survived about, I've assembled and disassembled it about four times over the years. And it's, I think it's over 30 years old and it's still going strong. Oh, that's good to hear. So it's pretty good that's stuff. That's good to hear. Yeah, no, but we normally have, uh, IKEA normally has 20 year guarantee on, on mattresses. So it should last, but, um, and it's interesting with, 
you know, manufacturing and products and services, how how much is the actual longevity or ability for products to live? And then, of course, the whole social norms around consumption that you need a new bed or maybe not the bed, but let's say, you know, a new living room or a new style. And and that, of course, is it's it's a broader thing than one single company. It's it's kind of the whole the way we yeah. build the society today. Yeah, absolutely. We touched on people. Uh, we want to get everybody on the train, as Inyaki says. That's that's been a consistent theme of about this the, the, the running elephant and the and the strategy here. Um, we we started survey. We serve our people a couple of times a year. We've got nearly eighty percent of our people participating in the survey. And last November, we surveyed people specifically on on sustainability, and we'll do it again uh, towards the end of, of this year. Um, so we, we we take it very seriously, and, and we know what, we know the feedback from our, our people is that they they want us to take it seriously. They want to get involved. Is there anything you know um, you find that, that that that's been helpful in engaging uh, the the teams, the workforce, our people uh, at IKEA in, in in the in the journey? Yes, many different things. One is training um, to just kind of understand the strategy and the journey that Bupa is on. Um, but also connecting that to kind of on-the-job training. So what is it that I do in my day job that actually has a bearing on the strategy? So how can I be part of it? Um, Not to kind of leave my job and join the sustainability team, because not everyone can be in the sustainability team, but fundamentally everyone is in the sustainability team because the strategy is for the total company. So making those connections between day jobs and the sustainability strategy. So it's a lot around storytelling, kind of connecting the dots, showing that you you do this and this. Uh, And if I take an example from Ikea, like a a forklift truck uh, driver in one of the stores kind of said, you know, beautiful strategy, like it, makes me connect with Ikea even more, makes me proud to work here. But, you know, I just drive a forklift truck. And we kind of said, yeah, but that's part of our uh, emissions. Uh, so if you drive it in in an efficient, smart way, um, we'll, we'll use much less diesel. Or if you're part of this pilot where we're moving to hydrogen forklift trucks, you'll even more help us to kind of reduce the emissions from, from our transport. Uh, and he, had kind of, he hadn't made that connection because he was just kind of I just drive my forklift truck. Right. So I think it's it's kind of painting that picture of no matter which job you do in Bupa, you are part of the sustainability strategy. You can make a difference. So I think connecting dots, training, and then, of course, incentives, plans, um, making it clear what's a, what's a go and what's a no-go and, and kind of always remembering that we have decided on this. We have 2025 goals. We have 2040 goals. Every country, every division, every part of the business needs to lean in. Otherwise, we can't achieve the goals. That's a great example. And we'll have many, I'm sure, as we we, 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 we launch this thing and, and, and get everybody involved. And of course, and we're all citizens of the world as well, you know, as well as our jobs, you know. So, look, let's let's let's. Uh, finish with a, a final thought maybe from you. You obviously have been in the sustainability topic for a long, long time and you stayed with it. Mm-hmm. You haven't given up. And and so what gives you hope, Pia, for the, the future of the planet? Oh, Nigel. Oh, um, 
Like good days and bad days. Um, I have good days and bad days too. I'll just let you know that as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think what gives me hope is that I've seen a few waves of sustainability interest uh, in the last 25 years that I've been on it. This time, I think it's here to stay uh, because investors are finally uh, really getting in there. And I think there's a level of professionalism in sustainability today in terms of guidelines, uh, you know, bringing in kind of accounting thinking, reporting, um, not having or still having too many um, different standards and guidelines and everything, but trying to consolidate and making easier for practitioners to work with it. So I think there's, um, there's a level of professionalism <laughs> that's coming in today that gives me hope because it can't be you know, just the, the passionate tree huggers that are working with sustainability. It needs, it's, it's about how we do commerce. It's about how we do accounting. It's about how we reflect on policies and legality. And I mean, it's, it's about everything we do as in a, in a, in a business, but also in society. And I, I feel that that's slowly starting to happening. Uh, so that's one hope. The second one is that people talk about it much more. Um, the, the awareness level is much higher. I, I gave a presentation back in 2019 when I said that thanks to Greta and I think an Extinction Rebellion and, and the rest of it, it's kind of moved from my, climate change has moved from a scientific fact to a social fact. So people kind of get it, that it, it is happening. We can see it, we notice it. Um, and as, as stressful as that is, it gives me hope because you can't be in denial anymore. It's, it's here. So those two give me hope. And then I think that, and now being in Sweden, so maybe it's different in other countries. But if I look at my teenagers, how they talk and learn about sustainability in school, and it's, it's not this kind of subject matter on the side, but everything they do. If they have math class or social science or Swedish class or English, they have sustainability as part of the topics that they discuss. So it's 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 kind of yeah. not a strange thing you learn uh, in science class. It's it's something you learn as part of all different subject matter areas, and you need to have a standpoint and a viewpoint uh, on it. Pia, that's that's lovely. Thank you. I I, I mean I got a, a quote from uh, I was watching a program with Barack Obama on it, and I, I mean. It, it's it's a it's a great quote, but I mean it's. Uh, he said, "Look, this is the first generation to feel the effects of global yeah. warming, and we may be the last to do something yeah. about it." And that's where yeah, we are. That's unfortunately where we are. And and you and me, um, and the rest of us that are a bit older than our children, they we we got us here. So. Yep, we did. Thank you, Pia. That was um, that's all we've got time for. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you, and thank you for your insights and wisdom and comments thanks a lot Nigel I uh, hope you enjoyed it yes, too yes <laughs> no it was lovely to talk to you and I'm uh, looking forward to our continued conversations thanks Pierre I hope you've enjoyed this episode as usual if you want to get in touch if you have any questions or comments please drop us a line at runningelephant at see you next time goodbye <laughs>